You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. You can find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. This one's fun. We get to talk with our friends from Higher Things today. Joining us today, the Reverend Harrison Goodman. He's the content executive for Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. It's great to be with you. We're looking forward to our chat today and catching up on what's going on with Higher Things this year. Also joining us today, the Reverend Randy Sturzenbacher. He's president of Higher Things, also pastor of Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church in Black Hawk, South Dakota, and also serves as the first vice president for the South Dakota District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Sturzenbacher, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Good morning. Great to be with you this morning. Well, that's quite a long list of things that you get to do serving as a pastor, president of Higher Things, and first vice president in your district. Do you do anything else, too? Occasionally. Occasionally. <laughs> it keeps you busy. Well, I'd love to to dig into uh, both of your stories about serving in ministry and how the Lord brought you into these offices and the various ways that you get to serve as well. Pastor Sturzenbecker, let's start with your story. When did you begin thinking about holy ministry and becoming a pastor? I think there's a question before that question. It's when were others thinking about the holy ministry for me? My 95-pound Norwegian grandmother encouraged me from the time I can remember. She would look at me and she would say, you're going to be a pastor someday. And as any very busy young boy would do, I immediately dismissed that because my life was outside and anything else I could do. She continued to encourage me. My parents did it as well, not as much, not as directly as my grandmother did, but they encouraged me by going to church every Sunday, by praying before every meal, by doing family devotions, by talking about life at church and where you might serve, not so much looking at the pastoral ministry, but where can you serve in our parish right here to help people out? And then, of course, my uh, typical story, my confirmation pastor took me and one other student to Concordia St. Paul, where he had graduated from, and he said, you should think about being a pastor. And my eyes were opened, and I thought he was crazy because I was not pastor material. And then high school passed, and after high school, I can confidently say I thought about being a pastor at least once a day for all the days until finally I told my wife, I think I'm going to quit my job and go be a pastor. And she said, I know. She had it figured out long before I did. It just took a while for me to realize that God was going to overcome all of the obstacles that I had built up in my head of why I couldn't do this. And faithfully and lovingly, he did that through through many people and institutions. And years later, it is a great joy to serve as God's under-shepherd of these people, a great joy to serve in higher things a great joy to uh, help guide and direct the South Dakota district. Pastor Goodman, what about you? What's what's your story? Who was thinking about you becoming a pastor before you realized it? <laughs> That's actually the right way to talk about it because otherwise it gets wildly uncomfortable. That The honest truth is that I didn't want to be a pastor until about halfway through seminary. I, I had full on made it well into the program, pretty well convinced I was going to get tossed out at, at any given day. I was raised outside of the faith. I, I was raised secular Jew. And I got involved with campus ministry, trying to prove all religion wrong. 
and the Holy Spirit did Holy Spirit things. And, and sort of long story short, my pastor there told me that I needed to go to seminary. And as somebody who was there for me in some of the, the darkest days of my life, when things were real rough at home, I would have done anything for him, but I was pretty sure that they were going to kick me out pretty quick because I, I know there's some stuff in the book about recent converts and whatnot. I was a Christian for two years and a month when I started summer Greek and I, I, I floundered. I, I was in all remedial classes. I, I, I struggled a, a great deal and I was just sort of waiting for the other shoe to drop when they kind of said, all right, you, you did it your best. And then I could say I tried for him and he wouldn't be disappointed in me. He fell asleep uh, in the Lord right before my vicarage, probably about three months after things finally started to click. And I realized that this might actually be a thing. And, and so you, you have to sort of go with not sort of, when did you want to be a pastor? Because like I had classmates that, that talked that way, that I knew I wanted to be a pastor when I was eight, or like my parents caught me when I was three baptizing the dog in the yard. And like all of these stories about the, these pious young men who loved their Lord. And I felt so out of place. But what I had, though, was my pastor telling me, you're apt for ministry. You, you should study this and see what the Lord wills, because we don't know, but we can see. Hmm. So it, pastors certainly do play a key role in shaping that, that path for the future for many pastors and, and other church workers as well. Who were the other people that were supportive along the way for you, Pastor Goodman? My wife's my then fiance, but it's a different thing because I wasn't on a ministry track when, when we started dating or when we got engaged, I was a business major. And for her to sort of hear that from my pastor and, and then look at me and say, he's right, you should try it. I support you was a, a tremendously powerful thing that when you sort of have these voices, we have sort of that the inner heart voice and the outer voice. And, and it's a really, really important distinction because more often than not, when our heart talks to us, it talks to us about the things that old Adam wants. So when we get to listen to the people that God has placed in our lives who are, are given the vocation to care for us as spouse, as parent, as pastor, those are the ones that are really worth sort of pausing to listen to, not only because they have sort of that unbiased per perspective, but because these are the places that the Lord works. He has promised to work. And, and that's actually what is a, a tremendous gift because that the idea of sort of it's a monstrous task. There's all kinds of jokes about the pay. There, there's all kinds of reasons in the world why why somebody would not want to do this thing or, or not feel equipped to do this thing because it's important. But to, to sort of pause and listen to the places where the Lord has promised to speak through his word about himself and, and through your life or for your life through your neighbor and vocation are, are very important. Pastor Sturzenbecker, tell us about study and formation. What was that like? And who was supportive of you during that time? Every LWML in Kansas, I think, <laughs> and a number of other states. We had, I had convinced myself on a lot of areas that I couldn't do this. And it was God through all of these little circles, small churches, big churches that would write us a note every month and say, here is $25. We know it's not much, but maybe it'll help. It is a church that never sent us a gift, but sent us a, a, a note of encouragement about every two weeks and just said, we're praying for you and for your family and just continued to encourage us that way. It was a, a family that would send us uh, an Applebee's gift certificate and said, go out for supper with your wife and don't study all the time. You know, it were those things were really helpful for us to keep our feet in the world of not only being a formed pastor, but being 
a husband and a wife and a family. And that's easy to lose in the midst of so much study and so much formation. So I'm thankful for those who didn't necessarily send us something to help with school, but sent us something to help us remain in that first vocation of husband and wife and father and mother and and those things. The formation from the seminary was tremendous. The very first class, Pastoral Ministry 101, kind of shattered the illusions that you had about coming in and being the Savior of all. Uh, You're the the shepherd. You're the under-shepherd. You're the sheepdog. You're the one that's going to walk with God's people and point them to the hope and the promise of Christ. And when I heard that, that began to put ministry in, in the right formation, because there, now it's not about you. It's not about what you have or what you are going to do. It's about God using you to point people, broken people, back to him. And then all the rest of the study, all the formation in God's Word, certainly good for me individually, but forming you to be able to support and defend and just know where to go to find hope when somebody's life has fallen apart and you're the one that they call or they wander into the office and they say, Pastor, can we talk? And that formation guides us back to that. Pastor Goodwin, I see you nodding your head along. What was formation like for you? I mean, to be honest, it was wonderful and terrifying and overwhelming and sort of like breathing oxygen for the first time in in a lot of ways all at the same time. It was tremendous to realize that I knew absolutely nothing, but also that there was absolutely everything to learn. I got to sit with some of the brightest minds that I'd ever met and pour over something that that was incredibly important to me. My my comfort was that in my time in the seminary, everything rotated around the gospel. Everything served for the comfort of troubled consciences. That the question that that was always asked is, where is Jesus in this, and and how is that helpful? And what came from that is is a, a wealth of of life experiences that I had before that I can finally start to unpack in light of the gospel and not just the law and, and the recognition that for all the the friends that I had, for all the family that I had who who also lived apart from that. It's a chance to to answer those questions too. It's a recognition that it's really awesome to be a Lutheran because we actually have the answers to the hardest questions that anybody ever asks, and they're actually full of hope. And and what's worth studying there is that this hope is uh, not just contagious, but it, it's it's life changing because it, it it stands in the face of everything that is otherwise just crushing to the point where people get uh, just numb to it. And and so every time I thought I had it figured out for the better part of well three years, I found out that I didn't, and I got to relearn it, and that was amazing that there were always people there willing to sort of sit and teach and patiently endure the people who think they already know the answer so they can make them aware there's still more to learn and then share hope worth sharing. We are in our Set Apart to Serve series conversation today. We're talking with friends from Higher Things. We'll continue the conversation in just a moment right here on The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's 
uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live Uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We are continuing our conversation in the Set Apart to Serve series. Today, we're talking with friends from Higher Things, our guest, the Reverend Harrison Goodman, content executive for Higher Things, and the Reverend Randy Strizenbecker, president of Higher Things. He's also pastor of Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church in Blackhawk, South Dakota, and serves as first vice president for the South Dakota District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Let's talk a little bit about why it was important for you to be come involved with the work of Higher Things and how Higher Things encourages young people in the Word. Pastor Sturzenbecker, why was it important for you to become a part of Higher Things? We had been taking our youth to Higher Things for a number of years. And as we would travel, we would be done with the conference, we'd be coming home, and, and I would listen to the kids, just listen to them chatter about what was going on. And I would hear them humming Compline or humming one of the services of the day. And we'd get uh, to the point in the evening where we stopped and we did, you know, the traditional Lutheran way. We found a church basement and a floor to stay on. And the kids are exhausted and it's late and we're tired. And they would say, Pastor, aren't we going to do Compline? And this comes from the kids. They develop at higher things. They see the depth and the riches of what we have through the liturgy and the worship, and not that the liturgy or the worship is the thing, but it points us back to that hope in Christ. It centers us in Christ. And when I saw that with our kids, I knew immediately this was doing something that that no other organization or no other youth organization was doing that we were a part of. It firmly grounded us in the promises of Christ. And that was it. I was hooked because the kids were there and they were listening. They were hearing not only in worship, but then also through all of the breakout sessions, all of the the teaching options by pastors and other people, they were hearing answers to real questions and real problems, seeing real struggles that other people have gone through and how Christ was at the center of all of that and had brought them through. And that from that point on, Higher Things was a, a yearly cycle for what we've done. And then in the and the times after the conferences, now in South Dakota, we hold a, a confirmation retreat in August. We hold a youth retreat in January. And again, we bring in a pastor and we talk about life and faith and what that means in these kids' lives. Bring it right down and set the gospel and the hope of Christ in their brokenness. And it is an amazing thing to watch. Pastor Goodman, why was it important for you to be a part of Higher Things? It was largely the same answer. I was I didn't have youth group growing up because, you know, Jewish. And so I, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff and, and sort of fumbled around for a little bit. And from the advice of some friends, I took our kids to a Higher Things conference and fell in love. From Higher Things, my congregation learned evening prayer because the kids loved to sing it. And they asked our elders if, if they could sing it during Lent. And so the whole church learned it to sort of sit back and watch the kids who are supposed to be disinterested in anything that doesn't have to do with pizza or whipping things at each other or TikTok actually care about enough to to approach elders and engage in church polity was mind bending to me. So I any way that I could start to help at this thing, 
I wanted to because I didn't have this stuff growing up during some of the darker days of, of my life. And these kids were hanging on to it by a thread. I remember teaching a, a breakaway session at Higher Things and recognizing that the kids stuck around for over two hours to talk afterwards about self-harm and where to find Jesus in the face of it. They stuck around through free time. They stuck around instead of going to laser tag to, to hear about hope. And that there could be this thing that exists to point these kids towards Christ, towards the gospel, towards something that stands in the face of everything that they're up against today. That that's worth that's worth anything uh, for me to to be a part of. And so from there on out, anytime I was ever asked to volunteer, uh, I was just overjoyed to say yes because at, at the end of the day, uh, the, the kids actually not only need this stuff but actually are already asking the questions and just desperate to hear the answers. Yeah, certainly higher things. Conferences don't shy away from the hard questions and there's great value in that. I know Andy and I were there this past summer and just seeing the kids so excited to not only learn in the breakout sessions and to ask all of these big questions, but to also be a part of the liturgy and the worship and and of course the play as well. All of the fun things that you guys do. Talk a little bit more, Pastor Goodman, about what happens at a higher things conference during the summer, how these conferences really encourage kids in the life in the church. I think this was actually one of the things that has been such a wonderful thing is because we were sort of walled off for about a week. We'll grab you on Tuesday and start with divine service and we'll put the kids up. We'll take over a college campus. We'll let the kids sleep in the dorms. We'll feed them in the cafeteria. We build a chapel wherever we go and we teach in their classrooms. And so they get a little bit of a college experience, which is great. But for a week, we eat breathe and and sleep the gospel. There's plenty of uh, free time too. Every night we take over with laser tags, zip lines, pools, all sorts of stuff. But the thing that got my little church in Nebraska, an organist who was 14 years old and still wanted to learn how to use the pedals, a young man who went off to seminary, was really just simply that this stuff was treated as if it was actually a joy. We, we pray that the office is from our hymnal. We sing the hymns from our hymnal, but as if it were actually something comforting because there are in any of our pews people secretly having some of the worst days of their life and hanging on by a thread and when we confront these things in the promises of god the people there who might not necessarily be able to sing their loudest or, or smile their bestest are there listening and i've caught those faces that, that have found comfort hidden in the pews so many times at our conferences and it gives them an opportunity to ride around in the golf cart with Pastor Sturzenbecker all hours of the night and talking about the deepest, darkest fears of their life and hearing nothing but the gospel. The reason that I, I really just love the conferences is because for a week, we, we, we set aside so many of the other things that distract us and we just sort of reinvigorate ourselves by, by just sort of living inside of the promises of God so that we can go back home. Pastor Sturzenbecker, how do you see higher things encouraging youth to consider church work? Joy. When we gather at Higher Things and you've got pastors and moms and dads and church workers of every kind and they're gathered there in worship and they're in the sessions, they hear joy. They hear hope, first of all, because they're broken. And in the midst of that hope, they see what Christ has done. And as we go forward, we have those conversations, those intentional conversations with every kid. Have you thought about being a church worker? And uh, not to be uh, overbearing on them, but to plant a seed that others, parents, grandparents, church workers, uh, other pastors will help grow. And just continuing to help them see 
uh, what a great gift it is when you, when God uses you to help others see hope and promise and that there is a light at the end of this very dark tunnel that most of them are in or have been in. We just continue to help them see that this gift, this call from God to be a pastor, if you will, is a great joy, and God may very well use you in that process. Think about that and just plant that seed for them to to think about as they go forward. Any, either one of you may have some insights on this. Any statistics on youth who have participated in higher things and um, how many may have gone on to church work having participated in higher things? We've never actually tackled the numbers, but we sort of go by story. We go by touch. We have something called, they're called young adult leaders now. They used to be called CCVs. But we see the kids who have loved the conference experience so much that they come back to move boxes so they can keep going as college students. And so many of them from there, we see them as then seminarians. We, we have summer vicars who, who join us from both seminaries. And a lot of them we remember from when they were yay high and they went through to, to be CCVs and young adult leaders and they went on into seminary. And pretty soon they're taking kids of their own. We're, we're, we we're pastors, so we're maybe not great at math and statistics, but uh, we're also a pretty small uh, crowd. And so we know each other. It's actually just a lot of fun to, to sort of recognize that we have in this organization a lot of support for each other. I, I learned from Pastor Sturzenbecker. I learned from the people who have gone before me. And we get to sort of take the vicars under our wing and walk with them going forward. Uh, I, I don't have the numbers, but I, I know that I know that it's happening. Yeah, I know from my days as a CCV oh, several many years ago. A lot of the guys that were CCVing with me are now pastors. I think that is just so cool for us to go back to higher things. And I get to catch up with people I served with way back in the day as a CCV, and they're bringing their own kids now. It is very cool, that circle, that, that cycle that's happening with higher things and church workers. And you guys are supporting this church work, the encouraging young people for church work with letters of encouragement. Talk about this resource that you guys have. Absolutely. We wrote a book and it's just a lot of fun. We wrote a book called Letters of Spiritual Encouragement. It's a handful of essays that are written by pastors who are, are out there living it. And instead of just sort of honestly sharing just all of our stories of how we came to ministry, because all of yours will be different. We took a, a little facet of an aspect of our, our life and wrote as if there could be joy to be found in it. You know, how can you find joy as a forgiven sinner? How can you find joy as a student of church history, as a student of hymnody, as a student of scripture? And so in little, you know, handful of page essays, we paint a picture not of sort of the day-to-day -day life of a pastor, because that's a wild thing sometimes, but of what it is that God would do inside of his church and the glimpses that you'll get to see and the hope that it produces. And so I would really recommend it. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it at higherthings.org. You can go to the store. But Letters of Encouragement, it's a wonderful book that's just absolutely full of the hope that God would deliver to his saints in his church through the office of the ministry. And how can we learn about what's going on this summer with Higher Things, uh, the conferences and, and other ways to be involved with Higher Things this summer? I think probably the best way would be you could go to higherthings.org and there you can see everything that's going on, but also follow us on social media. We're real active on Instagram, on TikTok. We have a Facebook page for you guys that are listening to the FM radio. We're here for you. But in all of it, you can see not only that what we're up to getting ready for the summer, but all the content that we're producing the rest of the year, like like letters of encouragement, as well as your daily devotions and, and our higher things reflections, tons of great video content, Bible studies. We keep real busy just to make sure that this gospel of Christ is made known to youth and young adults everywhere. 
our guest today, the Reverend Harrison Goodman, content executive for Higher Things. Pastor Goodman, thank you for being our guest. It's a privilege. And the Reverend Randy Sturzenbacher, president of Higher Things, pastor of Divine Shepherd Lutheran Church in Blackhawk, South Dakota, and first vice president for South Dakota District of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Pastor Sturzenbacher, thanks for being our guest today. It was good to be with you. You can learn more about Set Apart to Serve by visiting lcms.org slash SAS. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to kfuo.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to kfuo.org slash store.